Hi, I'm Katie Bachman, Creative Director from Shore Christian Church. We're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy the sermon from the Jesus Speaks series. To watch more sermons like this, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. I, I am so pumped up for this series. It's going to be throughout the month of October. Uh, Nicole, uh, our worship leader, hey Nicole, uh, she has an incredible Broadway background. And so each, each Sunday, we're going to be taking a Broadway show. Uh, October the 7th, our first week, is we're going to be looking at the show Les Miserables. And we're going to have a special medley of songs from that show. And then using that Broadway show to tie in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the following week, we're going to be doing Phantom of the Opera. Uh, the week after that, we're going to be looking at the uh, Broadway show Rent. And then the Sunday... Uh, right before that, that holiday at the end of October, uh, we're going to be looking at the Broadway show Wicked. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to have an awesome, awesome time. Please invite your friends that, that maybe like churches, uh, I don't know, I went to church once, but this isn't that kind of church. They do Broadway shows at their church. Like, this church isn't like that. You want to come here. So please, invite some friends. We're actually going to be giving uh, uh, some tickets to everybody as they uh, leave that you could use to invite a friend. Uh, the bulletins next month are uh, going to be playbills. We're going to have a playbill for each, uh, each service. Uh, we're really getting into this. So uh, please, if you want to dress up as a Les Miserables character, go for it. I'm going to. I'm going to be Jean Valjean preaching the gospel uh, next Sunday. So I'm going to get in character. I don't know what he wears. I hope it's nothing too weird uh, or tight. Um, so, uh, all right, all right, all right. Who's ready for the, the sermon this morning? You ready? All right. But, but before that, that's next week, um, and, and we got to wrap up this series uh, on Jesus Speaks, and what is Jesus speaking to us uh, right now in the 21st century? If he was here, what would he say? And, and week one, uh, we, we had a sermon uh, that was titled, uh, A New Way to Do the Same Thing. That God is always changing, but the mission never changes, just the methods do. Uh, then the week after that, we looked at let's roll. Jesus wants us to, to roll, not stay complacent, but to have the inability to do nothing. And then we uh, had a sermon called Huddle Up, the importance of small groups and the importance of community, the importance of not just relying on once a week uh, in a corporate gathering like this, but have a community of believers that you get together with and pray with and support each other uh, during the week. And then last week, uh, we had a sermon that was titled Life Changers. That uh, at our church, we don't have volunteers, we have life changers. That uh, the same anointing that God uses to, to speak through the pastor, you have that same anointing within you. There aren't certain people that are chosen. We are all chosen. We are all anointed to be able to lay hands and pray for people, to encourage people. We all have a gifting. And uh, this week, we're going to close out with a sermon uh, I'm going to call, I Feel You. I Feel You. Someone really likes that. I like, I like that title, too. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 17. And uh, um, this is the, the, the book of Hebrews talking to the Jews about who Christ is, who Jesus is. And it says, for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. And he is alone able to help those that are being tempted. Why? Because he knows what it's like. He feels us. Uh, now Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. 
uh, says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He gets it. He understands it. He feels it. But we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So therefore, let us give us the ability to approach God's throne room of grace with confidence. We don't have to come afraid into God's presence because of our past, but we could come boldly to the throne room of grace so that we may receive mercy in our time of need. Amen. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. You guys are getting pumped up already. I like it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for worship. We thank you for all of the exciting things that you are doing around us every single day. And Lord, I pray that you will speak through me this morning, Lord God. I pray that everyone in here, Lord, will be able to understand that we have a Savior who understands what we're going through, that he gets it, that he is not so high and mighty that he is unwilling to walk beside us, but he came down off his throne and got in the mess with us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We all have different struggles in different forms. I think in every stage of life, the struggles don't go away. Sometimes they change shapes, change forms. Uh, I'm a a Mets fan, and my struggle is is like never-ending, it seems like. Uh, Like once you think that you're like getting out of the struggle, you go right back into the struggle. Uh, I remember when uh, the Mets, uh, they were all excited about uh, building this new stadium. Anyone ever been to City Field in Queens? Uh, who likes City Field better than Shea Stadium? Who, who says Shea Stadium rocks still? Uh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I love Shea Stadium. Uh, but the Mets, they, they were struggling, and uh, they decided to build this beautiful stadium, City Field. And so the first year the Mets moved into City Field, it's actually the same year the Yankees moved into the new Yankee Stadium, Yankees won the World Series that year. Uh, Mets finished in last place. That's okay. The first shall be last and the last shall be first in the kingdom of God. That's why Mets fans get in before Yankees fans into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but but the, the first year, the, the Mets uh, uh, opened up their new stadium. They finished in last place. They, they had no home runs on their team whatsoever. And uh, they, they were the worst team in baseball. They were, they were pathetic. Uh, and, and this is what they thought. They thought, you know what? Let's do this. Let's bring in the fences. So they changed the dimensions of the field, thinking that that was going to help the Mets. Did it help the Mets? No. The next year, they finished in last place in home runs, too. And you know what they did the following year after that? They said, let's bring in the fences some more. So they brought in the fences some more. And do you know what? Do you think that changed how the Mets performed that year? No, they still finish in last place, score, be to God. So why am I doing this other than just kind of therapy for for Pastor Isaac, a Mets and Jets fan that is in agony? And, and, you know, you can never give us a hard time. We've been through so much. So just lay off the Mets fans, lay off the Jets fans, okay? We've been through enough. We need encouragement, okay, from other people. Just start building us up. But uh, this is where I was going with that, Uh, is is that the, the Mets for some reason thought that if they changed the surroundings that somehow it would change the performance of their team. And yet the struggle continues. 
And, and so often we do the same thing. We think that if we changed our surroundings, if we got a new job, if we got a new uh, 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 boyfriend, girlfriend, if we uh, got more money, that somehow the struggle would go away. And in fact, the struggle continues. I remember when uh, I was in high school, I had like a really tough time in high school. Um, you know, it just, just I, I was looking forward to going to college. And I thought when I got to college, everything would be great, that there would be no more struggles, that I could finally be out from under the roof of my parents. I was excited. I was elated. I was wrong. Because when I got to college, I realized that not only were there more struggles, but the struggles were like on steroids. And the struggles not, not only uh, were harder, but they, they almost destroyed me. They almost ruined me, but for the grace of God. And, and then I, got, I, I said, you know what? Maybe when I get married, the struggles will go away. And as Diamond spoke in her sermon, the first year of marriage was 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 hell. I mean, have to. I mean, we 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 didn't we didn't understand each other. I, I was, you know, I dealt with conflict by just like like being quiet. Diamond dealt with conflict by screaming in my face, and and we didn't know we we weren't compatible. And then we had my mom upstairs giving us marital advice. I don't want to hear it, mom. You know, we went to a counselor, and we had the biggest fight we've ever had in our life after we went and got counseling. Thought that was supposed to help, made it worse. And finally, you know, we, we got on the same page, and, and, and the struggles are still there, but they're just different. You know, uh, I, I had kids, and by then I learned. <laughs> I was like, these kids probably are going to come with some struggles. You know, I heard someone say uh, uh, on Facebook this, uh, this week, new, new levels, new devils. Not calling my kids devils, but you, you understand where I'm going with this. You know, some of us think that, if we become more successful, that somehow success will breed less struggle. And for me, I'm, I'm young, 34 years old, and for me, probably the greatest successes in my life brought the greatest struggles of my life. Because a lot of times, success brings expectations. And with expectations, new pressures and new struggles. A lot of times for us, the, the struggles don't go away. They just change shapes and change forms. And I was with my uh, kids this week. Judah got a, uh, a new body parts book. Judah's really into the human body. Loves the human body. Draws the human body. Uh, my, my, my wife made a mistake of buying him one that was a little bit too mature for him. A uh, little, little like too advanced human body book. Had to confiscate that. And we got him now a children's human body book. Uh, I promised my wife that's all I would say on that one. And, <laughs> and, and Judah, every single day, says, Daddy, let me show you what, I'm, what I drew. Uh, and, he, and he's drawing, like, the heart and, and how the, the veins and the arteries bring the, the blood from the heart to the lungs to get oxygen. And I didn't even know this stuff. And, and Judah, uh, it, he, just wants, he just wants his dad to see it. He just wants his dad to, to accept what he's doing. He just wants the approval of his dad so desperately. Uh, my seven-year-old son. And then this, this uh, week, I also called my, my 92-year-old grandfather. 
God just put it on my heart to call Pop up. Uh, he's going to come up here. Uh, he's, he's the first generation pastor in our family. I'm, I'm, the, I'm number three. Three Pete we did in the Friedel family. And uh, I, I'm, I want him to come and pray for our church. He's, he's never done that uh, since I became the lead pastor here. And, and I was talking to him and sharing with him about the church and told him I want him to come uh, up here and pray for our church. And he told my, my mom later on that, that that phone call meant the whole week to him. It made the whole month for him because he felt loved and he felt accepted and, and he felt wanted. And I thought when well, my mom said that, that's amazing. My seven-year-old son and my 92-year-old grandfather are both desiring the same thing. And I thought, isn't that interesting? How all of us, we go through life and and the struggles, you know, they, they change shapes and they change forms, but they really are always there in the same form. They really never go away. And a lot of times for us, we, we think that if what changes around us is, is going to be the difference for us, if, if things around us change, then, then we're going to be able to, to feel better about ourselves. But really, the, the greatest struggles that we have are the struggles within our own hearts and within our own souls, and within our own minds. And the Apostle Paul uh, writes in the book of Philippians, and uh, he, he wrote this book uh, of Philippians when he was in prison. Uh, interesting how when he was in prison, he did his greatest work. I'm so glad that Paul was in prison. That may seem like an ignorant thing to say, but if, if he wasn't in prison, he would have preach this to the Philippian church, but the only reason that we are able to have rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, the only reason that we have you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you is because Paul was in prison, which means to say that God can do his greatest work in you sometimes at your lowest moment in life. So don't ever discount a season that you're in because those are the moments when God can a lot of times do his greatest work. People say the book of Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible written from a prison. Unbelievable. The happiest book in the Bible, written from a prison. So that, that, that kind of says to me, stop blaming your problems for the reason you can't be happy. Stop blaming your job and your boss for the reason you're not motivated in life. Stop blaming the fact that you're not married for the reason that you can't be satisfied. Stop blaming the person you are married to for the reason that you have, I'll leave it right there. But the, the, the struggles a lot of times aren't with them, they're, they're with us. And, and Paul says in the book of Philippians, he says, whatever happens, because happiness shouldn't be based on happenings. It should be a, a state of your soul. It should be a place that the fact your heart is, is given to Christ and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. We have a, a, a lot of different people in this church, different backgrounds, one spirit. We have many different races, one vision. Many different backgrounds, one mission, one calling, one cause, one savior, one spirit. Stand firm in that one thing that we have going for us. Next verse. Striving together. Man, that, there is so much in that. A, a lot of us, we're great at succeeding together, but can we struggle together? 
Can we be with each other, not just rejoicing in successes, but can we struggle along together? Because that's what we, we're not really great at in the body of Christ. Can we struggle together? Can we be there for one another, not just in the good time, but in the struggle? Can we pray for each other in the struggle? Can we pick up the phone and call one another in the struggle? And that's why we need church, is because we need to be in this together, and, and those of you, I'll, I'll just say this, watching online, uh, watching on, on YouTube, watching on Facebook, there's my camera right there, uh, what, what you are doing is great when you're sick and you're not around, but when you are around, you need to get around your other brothers and sisters, because we is greater than me. And coming together in worship is so powerful to be able to come together and hug each other and talk to one another and take each other out to lunch and be with each other, struggle together, strive together. There's so much in being together that you cannot get home by yourself, just with your, your family. Yes, there's anointing in a family, but there's also anointing in the kingdom of God family as well. The, the Bible says, do not forsake Hebrews 10 verse something. The meeting together, the assembling of yourself together, because some people, they say in the book of Hebrews, have forsaken that, and they have struggled because of that. Next verse, verse 28. Striving together as one, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Who is opposing you? What is opposing you? I'm so happy that Paul didn't say what was opposing the church because then we would have disregarded it if it didn't fit into our current circumstance. But he leaves it open-ended because we all have something opposing us. And it could be different and probably is for every single one of us. But I have found, and I don't want to sound like this is an ignorant thing to say, and it may for a second, but let me kind of explain. But we all have pretty much the same struggles. They come in different forms uh, that, that may seem like, well, well you don't know. Uh, you, you don't know how, how I was raised. And, and that may be ignorant for me because of the color of my skin to say that. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. But, but just let me finish. The, the struggles, when you get down to it, are all the same. I, I've preached to many different congregations. I've been in so many different circles. I've preached to churches where I was the only white person in the church. I've preached in churches where I was the only person who spoke English in the church. I preached to a church in Seaford, Delaware, uh, where there were people on the front row chewing tobacco, spitting in cans as I was preaching. Told me they were going to take me out to lunch for an Italian sub. I said, whatever that is, I don't want it. You know, I, I've, I've preached to homeless shelters. I've preached at Rikers Island. I've preached at pastor's conferences. And I'll never forget one time when I was early on in ministry, I preached this sermon at Rikers Island called The Fifth Sparrow and the Kingdom of the Fifth Sparrow and preached it at Rikers Island and, and it just touched these, these inmates in such a powerful way. Some of them there, life in prison. Some of them there, uh, just, just fighting to, to, to uh, get a 25-year term, whatever it is, I mean, I mean, I can't imagine. That same week, I preached at a church leadership pastor's event, the same sermon. And it touched the hearts of every single pastor 
that was in that, that meeting with me. Same sermon, same illustrations, same scriptures, touched prisoners and preachers. The same message. People say, how in the world? Can, I mean, you have such a diverse church, people in so many different places. How, how are you able to reach them? It's because the gospel is relevant to any and everybody. It's for everyone. So I can preach the same message to, to somebody who's facing jail time in here, and I can preach the same message to somebody that went to three or four church prayer meetings this week, and the Holy Spirit can still speak to them because we have many different backgrounds, many different struggles, but one spirit, one vision, one cause, one message, one goal. And, and so we all basically struggle with the same thing acceptance belonging approval oprah winfrey um she's she's interviewed people that were child molesters murderers she's interviewed michael jordan she's interviewed kings and she's interviewed pastors and she said, the one thing that every single one of them say at the end of the interview when they're with her in the green room was, was that okay? Was that okay? Because that's really the question that every single one of us is asking. No matter how much money you have, no matter what you look like, no matter what background you come from, deep inside all of our souls, we are asking ourselves that question, am I doing okay? Am I being accepted? And Paul goes on to say, he says, this is a sign to them that will be destroyed and that you will be saved and that by God. See, the struggle isn't a sign that you're being destroyed. A struggle is, is, is a sign that you're going to have victory because the struggle is real and it may never go away, but there's victory in the struggle. As you keep on going, as you press forward, Paul says, and a lot of times, it's not with them, it's not with people, it's not with your job, it's within your own heart, your own soul, and your own mind. If you can have victory there within yourself, then you can have victory in every job, every atmosphere, any struggle that you have. If you could have contentment and security within yourself, you want to know the reason why what other people say about you affects you? It's because it affects you only to the degree that you are insecure with who you are. I know that because that's what I struggle with. And I know the only reason that other people can get to me is because I am not secure and content with who I am. But if you can win that, and whatever they say about you, whatever they do to you, then I could pray for them, I could bless them, and I don't have to be bitter with them because I have security within my own heart and my own soul and my own mind. But it's a struggle, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not easy. One, one gift, and I want to finish this scripture in a second, that, that Paul talks about, verse 29 says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It's a blessing to suffer for Christ, to take part in, in suffering for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. Wait a minute, Paul. You're in prison. You're writing this letter to people who are not in prison. 
You're writing this letter to free people. How are you saying that, that they are in the same struggle that you are in? Because a lot of times a prison cell physically is just as powerful as a prison emotionally. You talk to a, a woman that's being abused and feels like she can't get out of that relationship. You tell me that prison cell isn't as strong as that prison cell at Rikers Island. It's just as strong. You talk to me who's somebody that hates themselves, feels guilty every single day. They are in a prison of their past. Just as strong. Prison of offense. And, and Paul says, I'm struggling in the same way that you are struggling. Paul is in prison. And he's writing to a pe group of people that are free. But God uses him to give them the gift, this is it, this is what got me this week, of empathy. The struggle that you're in is able to produce a gift called empathy that you are able to give to other people. And it is such a powerful gift that you can only get through the struggle. Not talking about sympathy, talking about Empathy, empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. I feel you, not sympathy. Sympathy is I, I, I have pity on you. You know, I, we're, we're great at showing our, our sympathy, but man, we, we, people need our empathy. Can we be an empathetic church? I, I remember when, when my, my father died, the people that were able to minister to me the most were the people that knew what it was like to lose somebody close to them. I remember the first question I would always ask them when someone would call me, I'd say, have you ever lost anyone real close to you before? And if they said no, then <laughs> to be honest, what they said really didn't mean as much. I remember uh, going through the, the, the line as, as people were greeting us after the memorial service, probably about a thousand people going by and and I remember the, the people coming by that I hadn't seen in years, and, you know, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But then the people that I knew were really hurting. Man, we were able to have an embrace and build each other up because we were able to give each other the gift of empathy. I feel you. I'm if you're struggling, I'm struggling. I don't have pity on you. I don't have sympathy on you. I'm able to empathize with what you're going through because I've been there. I've been through that struggle. I know what it's like to be, be in that place with you. And, and when, when, when somebody has somebody close that died in, in their family, I, I, I'm able to relate to them in a way I wasn't able to five years ago. Five years ago, I probably would have said, I'm so sorry, but you know what? They're in heaven, and, 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 and isn't God awesome, and you're going to get through this. You're going to be all right. Now, you know, I, I say to him, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Your, your father was an incredible man. He's so proud of you. Do you need me? I'm here. I love you. Hang up the phone. Because what they need isn't coming from me. They need it from Jesus. And what they need from me is just somebody to empathize with them, to listen to me. They need presence, and they need somebody that's able to put their arms around them. I feel you. In church, we're great at you should, or, or thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. You know, somebody's struggling. That, that's what we're great at telling them, you should. But you know what? Uh, before you could ever tell anyone you should, they first need to understand I feel you. That's why 
whenever I start a sermon, I always relate it to something that I'm going through in life because you're not gonna receive the message that God wants to speak through me unless first you understand that I'm going through and struggling with the same thing. Because there is an anointing that can only come through the pressing and the struggle. Before you get five steps to forgiveness, you need to understand that it's coming from somebody who feels what you're going through. Because the struggle is real. That's why I, I love, I do this. See this? Anyone ever notice I do this? My, my, you know, everyone, like first, some, some people, this is the only reason they come to churches. They're waiting for me to fall. Like one dude said that. He's like, I, one, I can't wait that one day you're going to fall. I'm going to catch it on video. I'm like, great. But you, I, I know that I have to be up here, and, and it's a lot easier, um, you know, for everybody to see me, and, and it's good. But what I really want to do is I really want to be down here with you guys because I'm in the struggle with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no better. I'm, I'm struggling with the same things that you guys are struggling with. It's not, you know, the pastor's up there and everybody else is down here. Like, this is where the best sermons are preached, you know? I feel you, John. I feel you. I feel you. You screamed at your kids this morning? I feel you on that one. I feel you. You know? Okay. Some days you don't want to come to church on a Sunday morning. You just want to stay in bed. I feel you. I feel you. I said that to my wife. She says, you're the pastor. You got to go. You got to go. You know? You drive. You get frustrated. People cut you off all the time. In Chick-fil-A, someone in the drive-thru cuts you off. You want to give them the finger, but you realize that you're a pastor and you can't do that. I feel you. I feel, you know, you, you work out all week and then you blow it and you eat a whole bag of Doritos at midnight while you're watching Monday night. I feel you. I feel you. Sometimes you read the Bible and have no idea what in the world you are reading. I feel you. I feel you ever, you ever pray. You're praying. You're praying for your kids. And then your kids interrupt you as you're praying. And you yell at your kids for interrupting your prayer meeting. I feel you. I feel you. You struggle. I struggle. We all struggle together. We're all in this together. I feel you. The person next to you feels you. We're all in the same struggle together. The struggle may be in different forms. It may be different in the way it looks, but we all struggle with the same thing. And we need to be a church that could put our arms around somebody and say, I feel you, man. I feel what you're going through. Not you should, thou shalt not, Edgar, but I feel you, man. I'm in this alongside you, and we're going to get through this together. That's the kind of pastor I want to be. I don't want to be a pastor that's always, you know, up here. This is like what the Pharisees would do. They'd be up here. You know, everyone's up here because we're better than you. Like, you're in the struggle. You're in the pit. You're in the struggle. And we're all up here because we're out of it. We're good. I can't relate to that pastor. You know, the, the, so many people came up to me uh, the last year and said, you know what, the reason why we love your church is because you tell us what's really going on in life. 
You don't sugarcoat it. You don't try and pretend that you're better than anybody else. You tell us when you lose your temper. It makes me understand that I could do it too because we're all in this same sinking ship of sin and we need each other to put our arms around each other and say, I feel you. That's why Jesus is so awesome. That's why he did something that no other God that, that claims the throne can ever say that they did. Every other God, whether it's Allah, Buddha, you name it, they sat up on their throne and and said, we're better than you. I'm not getting down in the mess with you. But we have a Savior who said, I'm willing to get down in the mess with you and struggle with you and feel what you're going through. So we have a Savior who can empathize with what we are going through. For we have a high priest who can empathize with our struggle. So I could come boldly to the throne room of grace and obtain mercy in my time of need. That's why I choose Jesus. He knows what it's like to be a human. He knows what it's like to be tempted so he can help me when I am tempted, when I am struggling. That's why Jesus is my Savior. Because he came down. Did what I could. So when I'm struggling... I have a savior that I could go through up to. That's not so, oh man, I'm, I'm above that. No, he's, he's down in it with us. And when you fall, he says, I got you. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have unforgiveness, people doing things to you that you could hold an offense against. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But, but Jesus, they do know what they're doing. <laughs> they're putting nails in your hands and they're laughing at you. <laughs> I know. But I still love them. Man, we have a Savior who could empathize with what we're going through. And we have a church that could empathize with what you're going through. Why? They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what I've been through. Because, you know what, the bottom line is, we all have the same struggle, and I'll tell you what it is. It's the greatest struggle that Jesus had. Because Jesus, when he, when he went praying for people, he was able to pray for people. In one moment, blind eyes would open. In one moment, they, they were able to see a miracle take place. But you know when Jesus struggled? In the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was struggling with this thing called surrender. When he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He was struggling with surrender. And I don't care if you're at Rikers Island. I don't care if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I don't care if you're anything in between. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care what language you speak. We all are united around the same struggle, and that is surrender. That's what we're all struggling with. So I feel you. When you're going through, I feel you because I have the same struggle too. It's surrender. We're all struggling together for the same thing. And this morning is just a step to be able to say, God, I surrender to you. God, I thank you that you came down into the mess with me. If you're not already, if you could just stand to your feet right now. Just bow our heads together.
Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father. We thank you for this moment, Lord God. We thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Praise you, Father God. If you feel comfortable, just, just lift your hands up, high or low, whatever. Just, just, it's a physical sign of, God, I surrender my will to you, Lord God. Praise you, Father God. It's something we got to do every day. Surrender is not, not something you do in just one moment of your life. It's something you got to do every single morning. That when you wake up every morning, say, God, I lay down my will. I pick up yours for today, Lord God. Give me the strength to go forward. Give me the ability to overcome the struggles that I'm going to face today, Lord God. He is with you. He will enable you to go on. He will enable you not to give up. He will enable you to be the father that you need to be. He will enable you to be the mother that's able to love the children even when they're treating you like crap. He is able to do that. Why? Because he has children that treat him like crap sometimes. And he loves them anyhow. Because he can empathize with what you're going through. He gets it. He knows what you've been through. He's not in some far off place. He's down in the mess with you. And he'll strengthen you through it praise you father let's just say this prayer together it's a it's a prayer of salvation it's a prayer of of surrender just say it everyone's head bowed eyes closed dear Jesus thank you for the cross thank you for dying for me I thank you for rising again for forgiveness for taking away my past my guilt and my shame I am a new creation old things have passed away and behold all things are new today is a new day and you are on the throne of my heart thank you so much for listening to this sermon from our Jesus Speaks series I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did please subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you could get instant updates on when we are posting new sermons and also if you want to contribute to this ministry financially so that we can get these sermons out more into more people uh, you could do so at our website shorechristian.org thank you